This is the House of Pop Culture. I'm Anthony Donovan. Durwood Murray. Amy Meredith. And Joe Reese. And for the next hour or so, we're going to be talking your face off about all things pop culture related. Now tonight, we are super, super excited to have with us on the show. Many of you may recognize her as one third of the R&B legendary group En Vogue. Many others may know her from an iconic scene from the Jamie Foxx show. I got three words for you, plain white rice. <laughs> but if you're anything like me, you know her as that girl I met all those years ago on the set of the Mickey Mouse Club, Rona Bennett is with us tonight. Woo! How, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for having me on your show. Uh, we we are thrilled that you were able to do this. Thanks for chopping it up with us. And uh, I know uh, I know you just got off of a really crazy travel week on tour. You had some setbacks there. Yes, we did. It was a pretty crazy travel day, but we made it through, and the shows came out pretty good, considering. That's so awesome. Yeah, I don't I don't know how y'all function on so little sleep, but I'm glad <laughs> glad you made it work. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we get we get a lot to cover because you you've had quite an interesting career, and, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about it all tonight. Okay. Now. Uh, <laughs> All of it. She, she sounded a little scared there. <laughs> she, she shouldn't be. She shouldn't be. I'm well, I'm well versed in, well versed in the world of BZ. All right. <laughs> now I know I know you grew up in Chicago, but you you did not come from a show business family, correct? I didn't. So how'd you how'd you get involved in all this? Well, you know, I guess it just landed on me. I was about seven or eight years old. And I used to be in my parents' basement, and I would act and sing to the wood panel wall. Wow. You know, oh, wood panel walls. I had a very wild imagination. I could self-entertain pretty doggone well. And, you know, what other people saw as a wall, I saw as this adoring audience, you know. Um, I lived there pretty often, and I took that imagination down south to Alabama where my maternal grandmother lived and took care of foster kids and whenever my parents would come back to pick my sister and I up in the summertime uh, I would have like put together some talent shows nice. with my cousins and foster kids <laughs> yeah and my grandmother was the one that was like you know maybe you want to pay attention to Rono because prior to that my parents were like yelling downstairs be quiet <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that happened to every single one of us as kids. Yeah. <laughs> probably, probably. Yeah, but I, I did not sound as good as her yeah, when no, I was singing. No, the I, I never did and never thought I would. <laughs> so you got you got involved in theater, right? I did. I started in church. That was the first place I released some bit of my talent. And then uh, I got started at a local theater doing background singing. And when I saw the kids acting in front of me I was like I want to do something like that mm -hmm. and my mother asked the director you know how can Luna get involved that's the main way my career started is just from asking for help wow um I was yeah reading, they didn't know what to I'm sorry mm -hmm. I was reading in one of your books I I did not realize that you had family from Alabama because that's actually where I'm from and I was like oh that I didn't know yeah I'm from Dothan Alabama it was a little like two hours south from Montgomery yeah, awesome. I've got family all over my Alabama. Uh, that's an interesting point that's just been brought up. Uh, Rona, if you're from Alabama, I think we're all dying to know what exactly are your feelings on boiled peanuts? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have one. <laughs> they like to make fun of my love of boiled peanuts. 
it's just we talk about food a lot on this show. It's it's always going to go back there. Just get used to it. <laughs> Very nice. So, Very nice. I, and I know that, you know, you, the kind of the first big pre-Mouse Club break that you got was on a show called The Women of Brewster Place. This is true. And what, what, what was your role on that? You know, I had gone out for a series regular role, and it came down to me and this other young lady. And this was the time when I learned about the law of attraction on another level, because... Mm -hmm. When you really believe in something and you really desire it, it's almost like the universe will make room for it. So the role that I ended up getting was not even something that existed before they gave it to me. They created a best friend for her. Wow. And I came on as a recurring role. Yeah. That is so that, cool. That's pretty cool. Now, uh, <laughs> Oprah was involved in that in some capacity, yeah? It was Oprah's show. It was a spinoff of her very popular uh, and successful miniseries. Wow, so that, I mean that's that's impressive for uh, that was your television debut, yeah. I had done um, industrial films and stuff like that, but yes, that was my big break. All right, and uh, and now now we're gonna get to the part of your career I am the most well versed in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the day that uh, Matt Casella waved his magic wand and here you appeared and uh, joined the fourth season of the Mickey Mouse Club. Woohoo! Now, <laughs> I, I had heard recently you hadn't watched the show before you were on it. I didn't, and when he told me I got the part, I guess I didn't give him the reaction he had. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Well, because I was, uh, I was looking at the, the group of finalists that you were in, and a picture surfaced not too long ago, and it was a bunch of kids that were in the final rounds, I think it was in LA, and you were in it, and uh, Tara, and Nita, and Tasha, and Tony were all in this photo. But also, I noticed a young lady by the name of Sutton Foster, who, who did not get on the show, but later went off to become a Tony Award-winning Broadway star. <laughs> Hello. So, so I'm thinking that if you know, that's probably why Matt was so confused when you didn't have much of a reaction. You beat out a future Broadway star. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty crazy. All right, and so you you joined the show, and now you're you're up and running. And I I know because, and I'm sure you have no memory of this, but for those of you that don't know, the Mickey Mouse Club was my first exposure to a working professional television set. And I did a lot of background and extra work and some stand-in work on that show. And it was, I learned so much just from hanging out on that set so much. And several cast members have described it as like one of the best showbiz schools you could go to. Was that your experience? Absolutely. I thought it was like a performing arts school on steroids. <laughs> um, you know, it, it was the best kept secret to me. I knew that I was around all these talented kids, but I had no idea that they were going to be some of the biggest stars of tomorrow. Right? Yeah, that, that is an impressive roster. And, uh, you know, what, what I loved is that in the late 90s, as, you know, your Justin and Brittany and Christina started to really break, uh, you know, me and a lot of the other fans were kind of walking around telling people like, oh, no, you haven't heard it yet. <laughs> you have not heard it yet. This is the tip of an iceberg that goes on for miles. Yes, that's how I felt. <laughs> but uh, I have a question here, Rona, uh, before we stray too far from uh, the particular timeline that we're on right now. Starting uh, with Women of Brewster Place and going to the Mickey Mouse Club, uh, being in show business that young, can you describe what it was like uh, the first time you saw yourself on TV? Wow, 
that's a good question. I don't even know if I remember. <laughs> um, oh, it wasn't that I long ago. <laughs> they let you tell us, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> um, I think my first time on television, I was singing, actually, for one of, like, a news station. It was a talent show. Mm, okay, okay. It wasn't um, the acting thing, but I don't remember, actually, the, the, my first reaction to myself on television. That's a really good question. Because <laughs> I could only imagine if it were me at that age seeing myself on TV, I'd be running around like I won the Super Bowl, just <laughs> jumping on furniture and doing the Dougie. I couldn't imagine your ego now if you had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> On the show, I know, you know, it was a pretty grueling production schedule for kids that young because you guys were were cranking out daily shows. Uh, so it, it took most of the year, you know, and I, I, I am curious, who who on the show would you say you were closest to? Uh, that probably fluctuated depending on the season and the time. Yeah. I've had a relationship lot of people uh, at different times. I mean, Nita and I lived together. Matt and I lived together. Marlene, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. uh, Tony, Blaine. Tony Blaine and I used to make music, like corny, funny music together. We would always make them, like wacky songs and sing them for everybody in the past. That is funny. Well, you know, and one thing I want to, I do want to say, I'm going to give some, some folks some insight because being on that set, oftentimes the mics were hot on the kids, whether or not they happened to be shooting a segment at that point. And sometimes uh, we could hear them backstage. And I frequently heard you and Matt trading riffs backstage. <laughs> and like they'd be filming a, a, a speaking segment, and I'd be like, "No, let them finish. I want to hear. What <laughs> I want to hear what they're going to do." But one of the things I know there was ping pong tables backstage, but. One Mr. Tony Luca said that uh, y'all will play some Texas Hold'em. <laughs> well, well you, I don't know if I particularly did that, but everybody was on the bump. I don't know. Oh, yeah, because I, I, I heard that you were one of the good smack talkers when it came to a card game. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, this is true. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that it was Texas Hold'em. It could have been. I know I'm a Spades player for sure. Oh. But I don't remember what used to play back in the day. <laughs> okay. So, because it was just so funny to me to think that you know, backstage that all these games are going because it's a you know, television is so much hurry up and wait. It's a lot of downtime, and you know that's that's frustrating as an adult. I can imagine when you're a teenager and you know you just you have all this energy and you got to get it out somehow. But you you were one of the more well behaved ones, right? I guess. Yes, I would like to think so. Parents used to uh, like to leave their kids around me. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Now, was the responsible one. Yeah. Well, because I know you guys lived down there for most of the year, you know, um, but what, was it one of your parents that would come and live with you in the apartment, or did they just kind of put you up with uh, one of the more responsible older ones? How did that work? Well, they took turns. So uh, when I first went down, I think it was my mom or my grandmother and then at another point my dad may have come down my sister was my guardian at one point and then I lived on my own at 17 in my own apartment yeah so grown (laughs) (laughs) yeah I was grown I guess 
pretty quickly in that way. All right. Well, I mean, because, you know, we all love the show. And, and one thing that I, I really do love is how the fandom has grown up through the years because people they people my age now we we get excited about it and people are are still into it and you know I love that the fans you know you guys have made yourself so available to the fans and it must be nice to have done something at such a young age that still resonates it's so powerful like I I just did a show in Houston and a young lady came up to me she's like I know you from the Mickey Mouse Club I mean, we're like 40-something, right? Like, yep. <laughs> so cool that we get giddy and excited that we grew up together. Yeah. I mean, I've heard, I've heard you use the term mouse nation more than once. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're strong. We're strong and mighty. Yeah. It, seriously. And, it, you know, and I love that, you know, through that fandom, I've made other friends. Shout out to my homeboy, Dominic Creighton. <laughs> Because because when we met at your listening party, like he was all about MMC and Prince, and I'm like, dude, you're my you're my boy, you're my yeah. people. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, y'all y'all are still bringing people together. Now uh, there is one thing I do want to uh, bring up is that your boy Dale and his foundation, always in the club, just announced a couple of weeks ago that next spring will be the 30th anniversary reunion. Wow. Long story short, am I gonna see you? Of course, that is my intention. I'm so excited about it. Yay! That's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> wow, 30 years. That's kind of crazy. I know. I know. It's it's. Well, because I didn't watch the show when it originally aired, but Anthony, when we met in college, he, because I grew up in theater and dance, and he was like, well, I can't believe you missed this, so you have to watch this. And he would sit me down because he had every single episode. And was what like, you mean wow. had? <laughs> Still has. Yes. And some of the musical numbers in the choreography just was so good. I was so impressed by it. And the fact that you would have to learn that so quickly, too, because of the way that you guys crank those shows out. Yeah. Really impressive. Well, and, the, and these were like... Thank you. I'm sorry? No, I shout out to the team that they hired. Oh, yeah. I do yeah. that. I, I think about all those moving parts happening every week. It's pretty mind-boggling. Oh, yeah. It yeah. It and these were fully produced production numbers. Like, it was, the, the show was, it, it was a big deal. It, that, that set was, you know, I, I learned a lot about how I work on productions that I work from being on that set because it ran like a, a tight ship. Yes, it did. They were, uh, yeah, there was, there was no time for fooling around mm-hmm. on that set. But true indeed. I mean, they were making it happen, and they were on time, and they kept us in line for the most part. It was a very well run machine. Mm-hmm. So, in 1994, the last season was filmed, and you guys got word that you would not be picked up for an eighth season. And uh, I, I can imagine that was pretty shocking. But also, you know, now was the time to kind of to kind of move on with your career. And I know a bunch of y'all migrated to Los Angeles almost immediately. Yeah. Yeah, yep. And uh, you, you lived with Dee Dee and Mylin over there for a time, yeah? I did. So what was, like, were you scared to go out on your own now and pound the pavement with the rest of Hollywood, or were you excited? I was so ready. I was like, I got to get out there and play with 
you know? So I was, uh, and I had already been living on my own in Florida, so it wasn't so new. And it was going to be a fresh approach. And then, you know, of course, I had my uh, friends here, so Mm -hmm. it wasn't so foreign. That's nice. And um, so one of the things that that happened after getting to L.A., you know, you're starting to get work, you're starting to do jobs. And I did not know this about you until very recently, is that right around that time, you came this close to being signed to Death Row Records? <laughs> I have got to hear about this. All right, come on, come on, Shay, spill the tea. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how that was a thing. I, I was such a little fish out of water, probably. Um, I remember, you know, meeting Tupac around that time. This was in their heyday. Oh, my God. It was a very interesting time for Death Row Records and I was going to be leading kind of that R&B pack um, or definitely a part of it but some things weren't right in the contract and it fell it didn't happen yeah and and I, I know the, the the contract was was not good and it, I'm super impressed that at this time you're like 18 19 years old wow yes like that that must have been pretty overwhelming because that's a that's a pretty big break for that age you know, I I guess so. I yeah, I was saying I, I guess I've always had my eyes on the prize, but I didn't think about it that. Hmm. Yeah. So I, it didn't feel foreign to you know have that opportunity show up. It was just I was grateful and it was it was different, but I wasn't so shocked, you know. Yeah. Well, and also, I thought it was hilarious that uh, to to walk back to a joke I made earlier. For some reason, Shug kept calling you Shay. I don't know why. What? <laughs> like, <laughs> that is that is not even in the. That's not even the neighborhood of your name. Like, <laughs> I know that was my little pet name. I have no idea. Something that he found. He had an affinity to, and he loved calling me that. And and I have a feeling there weren't a lot of people around him at the time that were going to correct him. <laughs> uh, I don't think yeah, I would have, or now even. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I'd let him call me Shay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would. I yeah. <laughs> all right. So, uh, <laughs> all right. So when when that didn't happen, I mean, you you certainly had a lot of other opportunities. You were, you know, I was still following your career really closely at the time. And uh, one of the things that that happened at that time was when when you started uh, doing shows for UPN. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and I remember the the one particular one, the Homeboys in Outer Space that you were on, and I was I remember telling Amy about it at the time that you had just started this show on uh, UPN, and she said, "Is she singing on it?" And I said, "Well, no, but I guarantee you they're going to find an excuse." <laughs> <laughs> and you did wind up singing on that show. I did. And I, you know, I. But the 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 reason I'm bringing that up is to piggyback onto another show you wound up doing a little while later. The Jamie Foxx show. How did that all happen? You know, I had been auditioning for the same casting director for some time. Mm-hmm. And I had booked, I want to say, a couple things that I could not take or something. So they knew my talent already. And when this role came up where they wanted the person to be able to sing and act, they just called me in for it. Uh, that's but I didn't have lot. to audition for that role. Wow. That's awesome. And, you know, when, uh, because it was a, I, I did not see a whole lot of the Jamie Foxx show. Did you have, like, a character arc and that was kind of like one episode or was it like a one-shot deal? 
it was initially, I think, supposed to just be that episode, but it went over so well. Uh, it's become a classic at this point uh, that they decided to turn it into a recurring role. Score. And so, <laughs> huh? <laughs> Score. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's fantastic. All right, and uh, right around that time is, uh, I got my notes here, making sure I don't want to forget anything. Uh, right around that time is when Dark Child came up. Yeah. And so how did you how did you get hooked up with Rodney Jerkins? How did that meeting occur? You know, I was uh, writing music and my manager at the time knew I had this ballad and he wanted to introduce me to Rodney to see if I could get my song on Whitney's My Love Is Your Love record. I yeah. think that was the name of it, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I went in there and he was at the studio and he came out into the lobby and he was like, all right, so sing the song. And I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> That kind of like worked me. I couldn't believe he wanted me to just sing right there on the spot, but I did it. And then later that day, he said, we're not going to use the song for Whitney, but I want to sign Rona. Wow. Yeah. So and that's how that happened. It was unexpected. All right. So, and and that was um, that was a big deal at that moment because Rodney Jerkins, he was it. Yeah, he was like the prodigy at that time. Yeah, he he had every hit on the radio, and uh, so you you know you start working on this album, and I remember hearing about it, and I remember you know that Rodney was very confident in uh, what it was going to be. It was going to be the flagship CD of his of his personal label. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was the first Lady of Dark Towers release. Okay, and. Uh, what what happened? <laughs> right. Well, we went overseas um, and broke the record in some different territories, and I traveled to a lot of places, uh, but we never made it really back to American soil. I think that something happened with his label and mm-hmm. the parent company, and it just did not take off the way that we all anticipated it would. Yeah, uh, which is a shame because it's a great record. Uh and I, I have brought up many times before that your cover of I Want to Know What Love Is is the best I've ever heard. It is so good. I love that cover so much. Thank you so much. In fact, we did a podcast about our favorite covers, and that one was actually one of your, I think that was one of your picks, Anthony. Yep, yeah, of yeah. course. Oh, cool, man. I rap hard for my girl, you know that. <laughs> You know, and well, and here's the thing. Part of part of my degree uh, when I went to college was a structure the entertainment industry with a focus on the music business, and I yeah. I learned a lot of very interesting things about how the music industry works. <laughs> and uh, you know, you you also co-host an occasional podcast about that, yeah? Yes, uh, music one. And uh, and I I listened to the last one that you did where you and Bindu were talking about. The str- like how to get like publishing right I think it was streaming or something was that yeah because it's the, the last one we talked about okay yeah well because the, I mean the, the landscape even in the time that you've been in the business the landscape has changed dramatically absolutely and you know how we how we make music how we market music how we receive music has all changed yes sir 
And, you know, was did you find that that was a tough thing to navigate or were you just kind of keeping on top of it and seeing where the trends were going? When that digital boom came in, it changed everything. Yeah. I mean, when the, you know, the music pirating was happening, um, so many jobs that we were used to having at labels were disappearing. Mm-hmm. Um, session work, you know, to be a background singer used to be a really good gig. That's not even a thing anymore. Yep. Doing session work for people, you know, when you uh, were recording music, not even a thing anymore. If you're not camped up with somebody, I don't even know where those jobs went. So a lot has changed and a lot of people fell out of the business behind that. You just have to be willing to adapt and persevere. I think that's a big part of it because I think some people, you know, they kind of, if it's an an artist who doesn't know a lot about how the industry works, you know, an ego can kind of get in the way or you have princess syndrome where you just want other people to do the work for you. I understand how that, that, it's thin in the herd. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, uh, but you, you have persevered and you, you've kept making music and which I'm very thankful for. And that brings us to uh, In Vogue. Hey. And, uh, <laughs> and and I I love how you heard about that audition. You got to tell that story. Well, that was via another mouse to fear, but it wasn't about in vogue at first. It was just me coming in and hooking my brother up because he wanted me to come in and sing the uh, demo, Ricky Luna. Yeah. So Ricky called me, and I met the gentleman that he was producing the song with. And he was connected to Involved, and he was like, I don't know if he would be interested in something like this, but they're looking for another member. And I was, I hadn't even considered being in a group yeah. at that point. I was still going after my solo career, but I was like, well, I, I guess, you know? And I ended up meeting Wendell Foster, one of the founders of the, he liked what he heard as far as my songwriting was concerned. He loved, you know, the songs of my record from Rodney, and they just took me up to the Bay, and it was like, easy if we just click that's that's so awesome now when you when you joined the group uh for a while there maxine was kind of still in the fold well maxine actually was on high well she had left the group actually Mm -hmm. so it was just uh cindy terry and myself but they called max back um to go on this european tour and that's how max ended up you know kind of working her way back into easy yeah, and uh, you know that's I, I loved that you you joined that group. It, it seemed like such a great fit, and you guys you guys did make a record together, the three of you, Soul Flower. We did, yeah. And uh, you know, we, we, did you find the experience of writing in a in a more collaborative effort as opposed to your solo material? Did you like it better? Was it different? Was it a challenging? Well, actually, that project was almost done when I came in. So I had to come in and uh, record music that was pretty much there. And then they took some of the songs that I had already written. They mm-hmm. liked it, and they just decided to record it. So that wasn't um, our opportunity to collapse. This last record, we wrote together. Oh, oh, we're going to get on that. Trust me. <laughs> uh, I, got a, I got a question for you, Rona. Uh, it's two-parter, actually. Yeah. First of all, is it safe to assume that you were a fan of In Vogue before you joined the group? Yes, I appreciated what they contributed to the music. 
so then what is it what is it like if you if you can have an appreciation for something that's already established and now you're joining to be a part of uh, I would imagine that's a little bit something different than starting something on your own or you know going on a solo career what's it like to join up with people that you already have this admiration for you know it I don't know I some when people ask me this question it's almost like a blur <laughs> there's so many details in my career that people have to remind me of I'm like I don't know I just feel like I've been on automatic pilot for something and then because it felt so natural to join them I don't know if it was a blaring thing for me to be aware of not until social media became like a major thing did mm. I start becoming more aware of like what things actions were on a more large scale you know what other people thought you know I was kind of more sheltered I guess back in 2004 we didn't have it like that you know yeah that's true so that's it's true. working hmm. yeah making it happen all right so you know and en Vogue has gone through a lot of different personnel changes over the years and some of that was kind of still happening after you had come into the fold. So there was a time, like very brief pockets of time, where you were not active within the group. Right. And uh, and I know that this is something that, you know, and, and this is what I love. I love that you keep it real enough, and you talk about this in your book, is that, you know, there came a time, uh, you know, in those years where, I mean, for lack of a better way to put it, the phone kind of stopped ringing. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, you kind of had a fight or flight moment. Yeah. And I, I'm going to assume quitting wasn't an option because I know how you are and how you do. <laughs> so, That's you, true. so, you know, when, for the first time, you know, in your early 30s, you got a nine to five job. I did. I Yes, I did. So what, what, what was that like? I mean, what was what was that decision process like? And, you know, were you did you feel lost or were you focused? Take us through it. You know, I, when I hit that wall, and I say it like that because it was just like the doors of opportunity were not budging, um, I was faced with what's happening right now and am I changing my career? Mm-hmm. At that time, I think we were dealing with that pirating thing. We were losing a lot of jobs at the record companies. Everything was transitioning. That was that time. Yeah. Um, so when I got that um, job, it was a friend of mine who had an alternative health company, which was something I did have interest in. So I at least moved into something that I thought I could be good at. But I was really entertaining. Am I changing my career altogether? But that was very interesting to think about. The only thing I did do when I was in this winter is what I like to call it, is that I did not waste it. Mm. I went back in and said, what decisions have I been making that put me in the position I'm in right now? What relationships haven't I been nurturing? You know, you can always trace stuff back. Well, it's it's gotta be it's gotta be tough to have that kind of honesty, especially when, you know, you you're you're kind of looking taking a hard look at yourself when you're down. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, but you got to do it if you want to uh, come out of this thing and be resilient. I think you're only cheating yourself if you're not honest. Yeah, you got you to gotta so, take responsibility for the chaos in your life. <laughs> okay. So I did that, and then I was willing to study 
Um, and because I, you know, I had a, an ability to become a coach, but nothing ever pushed me to do it. Of course, my back was against the wall. I'm like, well, now is the time. Yes. Um, I was helping myself while I was helping other people. And I always kept a little city light on in the entertainment area of my life because I said, I know that I came to the planet to do this in some way, shape, or form. So I gotta have an outlet for my passion. But maybe it won't be the thing that leads my life, you know? Mm-hmm. So well, that's kind of what was the driving for. And I, then, uh, mm-hmm, go ahead. I was just, uh, recently I just read your motivation book. Um, and mm-hmm. I was, I'm actually going through something at work right now where it's like, now's the time where I need to change something. And I have a lot of things. I loved the way you talked about finding the things you're passionate about and working towards those. Uh, and it was, I love the way you wrote cause it really, I was reading and I was like, this is a woman who really does believe that there are 24 usable hours in every single day. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I found your motivational book really helpful because like I said, I'm right now I'm trying to transition to do something that I'm really passionate about and I get those moments like, and I was like, it was so relatable when you were talking about, are you afraid to succeed? Like putting things off like this just isn't the right time or things like that. And I really thought that that was really powerful the way you put that. I'm glad that you got value from it. Thank you for the feedback. Oh, no, not a problem. Yeah, well, thank you. No, like I said, I was... Because like I said, right now I'm kind of going through one of those transitions where I want to change and do something different. And it's scary. It's very scary to just kind of think about upending your life and completely changing gears. Absolutely. I mean, there is fear of the unknown, right? We want to kind of have control over our results. Sometimes we have to trust that we got to take a leap or a calculated risk and let the results follow. Yeah. So one of the things that, you know, in in doing this, because, and I I love that you you talk about when, you know, you're working at the holistic place, you're moving up in that company and we're giving more responsibility. And um, because one of the things that you say that I quote constantly is how you do anything is how you do everything. Mm. Yeah, isn't that interesting? And, you know, whether it's performing on stage or working in a, a company, it's worth giving your best effort to. But I also love that you were still doing your vocal exercises every day, even though you weren't working in that industry. That's right. I was holding the light on, you know, keeping the light on for my dream. <laughs> well, and then it wasn't long after that before you were back in front of a mic in a different capacity with LA Talk Live. Yeah. How did yeah. that happen? Uh, looking for ways, because I'm a hustler, you know, and, and yes. a, My hustler, baby! Okay. Feel me! <laughs> <laughs> and I was looking for an outlet for uh, what's my next move, and I, I wasn't afraid to um, push myself um, and, and do something different. I shouldn't say I wasn't afraid, but I was, I was courageous enough, that's different, because you do things in spite of fear. Right. To go ahead and push myself and, and, and try something out, and that was an avenue. Well, and, you know, and you you kind of came at it full force because Perspectives Corner, which was the name of your show, it went from, you know, an over-the-phone conversation for 15 minutes that we all got to hear to full-out studio-sponsored show right? in a right. mind-blowing amount of time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a go-getter, man. Yeah, no, you you committed full out, and you and you did that for a while. And uh, this was also the time that you started writing books. Yes, 
this was a this was a time of sacrifice mm-hmm. and push, man. Like I was so I had a lot of fear, like anybody else that would be going through a transition. I was stressed because I didn't know what my future was going to look like. I just knew I had to work hard and work towards what I the vision I had for when it would unfold. Who knows, right? You solidified your why. <laughs> Man, I got real clear about my why, and I just pushed. All right, and and so you you have is it five or six books? I am. I have five books, and working on number six with my partner. Oh, that's right. Now, now you've been working on this one for a minute. This is is this going to be a longer book? Yes, this is going to be a like music industry mentor book. Okay, nice. So we're we're pull, we're talking about all the assets from tour management to uh, um, neighboring neighboring rights for your music licensing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a holistic approach to success in the music business. So it's not just about the, the technical stuff. It's also about your spirituality. It's also about your mental health. It, it's everything. So it's like my personal power coach in me mm-hmm. and entertainer, her um, IP lawyer, musicianship. You're combining your gifts. Yes, we are. <laughs> now, you're writing this book with Bindu, yeah? Yes, my partner in Amsterdam. Shout out to my girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I read your, your two motivation books, and I just finished the one on healthy eating that you wrote. Yeah. Um, it was so funny because a year and a half ago, I uh, stopped eating fast food. And I always joke that it's, it's <laughs> I, I hate it because I crave it still, even though it's been a year and a half. But I loved in your book how you were talking like, you need to try it for just at least a month to see if it would work. And I was like, and it, if it didn't work, like immediately I saw different results in my life when I stopped <laughs> eating fast food. Wow. I know, and then now it's like, well now I have to stay on it. Now I can't go back to eating. Yeah, I always tell people, I can't break the seal on it. If I go back to eating it, it's got me again. I love it. I'm so glad you're seeing results from your effort. Yeah, I really am. And it was it was kind of shocking to me once once I stopped eating it, what a difference it did make. It was really shocking. Yeah. Yeah, we're also like uh, on drug food drugs. We don't even know. Uh, I, uh, yeah. 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 Like to be off the drugs, you know. But uh, I like that you included recipes at the end of that. I'm going to have to try some of those. Because some of them for crock pots and slow cookers. And I love my crock pot. We love yeah, your crock pot, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, since we're on food, we got to take a real quick detour here. Uh, yes, we do. I'm going to let you take this, Amy. Because Anthony told me that you are a fan of one of my very favorite restaurants, Cracker Barrel. Cracker Barrel? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we we will drive two and a half hours to the nearest Cracker Barrel just just so I can oh, get my Larry. chicken. Yes. Have you been to the one in Victorville? No. We we decided to, we they just opened it. We did a road trip and we went up there in and February. It was it was crazy. And it was cold. We we, we made a pilgrimage mm-hmm. and. We thought nobody else in their right mind is going to be going to Victorville Cracker Barrel on a Monday. Wow, were we wrong? <laughs> there's, there's, it's like a two-hour wait. 
We, I could tell you where every man, woman, and child in Victorville was on that day. They were, they all, were all at Cracker Barrel. In those rocking chairs. <laughs> I'm just like... That's really cool. These people are fiending for their dumplings. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah. And breakfast, okay? Yes. Okay, well, what, what, do you, what do you order when you get... What, what's, your, what's your favorite dish there? Well, I can only do so much. Right. <laughs> Well, can you are, are you are you vegan or vegetarian? Vegetarian. Well, pescatarian. Okay. I still eat Yeah. Um, I mean, I love their fried okra. Mm. I love their dumplings. Yes. Um, pancakes. Yep. The, uh, fried. What is it? The apple thing. Oh. The apple yep. The fried apples. Yep. Yeah. You're making me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're driving up to Victorville now. Yeah. That's I it. need some sawmill gravy. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. Well, in, in, in your book, in, uh, the Eating Healthier for Less book, you do talk about, because you're, uh, it's your dad's family that's from Alabama, yeah? My mom and dad. Are your mom Alabama. and dad. Okay, well, so you grew up with some great southern food. Oh, yeah. Well, I, yeah, I'm a, a good way of the south. Yes. Okay, yeah, because that's, oh, man. Yeah, Cracker Barrel is the best. Anyway, so, <laughs> so during this time, you know, you're, you're writing, you're getting things together. In, oh, at what point did you decide that you wanted to become a life coach? It was at that time that I hit that wall in my uh, other career because I'd already had a notion that it was something I was interested in. But there was nothing really pushing me to put structure behind it. Mm -hmm. When I had that moment, I was like, I refuse to be unhappy. What are you going to do with your life? You know, what are the purpose are you going to serve? It brought me back to the coaching notion. And so I decided that I was going to go after it. But at this point, I wasn't in the financial position to go get the coaching school thing right. that, you know, I thought I needed. And so I became resourceful with that. And I went out and got this... Um, life coaching book from I think it was the Institute for Life Coaching or something and I read that book and came up with my own program from that and wow. started and started talking yeah I just was like what are you gonna do you gotta get in the trenches it's time to put in some work well, and, you know, that is that is something that you always had an affinity for because I remember over the years, you know, when En Vogue would come to San Diego and you and I would get to hang out, I would always find that in our talks, you were a really good listener and you would always, you refused to let me get down on myself when I would tell you what's going on in my life. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and, and yes. you know, there was a time for, for those of you that know me that I very nearly uh, got the lead in a Broadway show uh, and I didn't get it. And I remember telling you that story years ago and I said, you know, I was shocked that they called me at all and I was convinced I wasn't going to get it. I was just waiting for the call. And you said, you just pulled your legs out from under you when you said that. Mm. And I never forgot that because I, you know, I, I learned from you that the things you speak have power. Oh, yeah, especially if you, you dive in and you believe them on top of that, out. Exactly, and I, and I always was just like, she gives really good advice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I'm it, so glad I was able to support you at that time. Well, of course, and that's, you know, and uh, I, I do love that you were able to, to parlay that, and I was curious to know what form that was going to take. Like, and then Personal Power University came about, and you have managed to take it online. Yeah. 
So and and talk about un uncharted territory. I mean, this is this was your first outing for that, and it was like, was it a trial by fire, or did you feel fully prepared when you started? I love trial by fire. It was trial by fire. I was scared, <laughs> <laughs> but I knew that I would have to take that bold step in order for it to happen. Ah, oh, man, because the hardest step is from zero to start. <laughs> And, and Say it again. I said the hardest step is from zero to start. <laughs> Ooh, honey. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but and, and so and, and during this time, you know, you're you're getting this together. You started touring really aggressively with En Vogue. You guys were everywhere for a couple of years, and uh, and the whole time working on Electric Cafe because this was a couple of years in the making. Oh yeah. Few years, actually. Yeah, and and I know, like every time you start to work on the record, either you're touring again, or Cindy's having another kid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she, she, I seriously, like she has enough kids to fill a Cracker Barrel at this point. I think. But... <laughs> and looks amazing. Oh while doing God, it, right? bless that woman. I can't even. Yeah, no. It's, all of y'all look great. Look, I I can do the math. I know how old y'all are. It's good on you. <laughs> So, <laughs> so, Electric Cafe came about, and but in addition to you know the other commitments that you guys had, you y'all really took your time with this record. Yeah, I mean, it it, it has definitely evolved uh, from its start, and I, it's really interesting the work that it is now. Like, we, none of us knew what it was going to become what it is. Mm -hmm. But it's a super, super cool project that we really appreciate. Well, I, I'll just tell you right now, I love it. Uh, I, I, was, I, was, I was always an En Vogue fan. I did not become invested in En Vogue until you were in it. <laughs> but uh, I was prepared to support the record regardless. I was not prepared for how good it was. And, oh, thank you. And it really just, and and not only like are the songs good, the message behind it is good. You don't, there's so much of an empowerment thread running through it. There's a maturity thread running through it. And, you know, and I hear so much of you in those lyrics. <laughs> so, you and, know, and, we're, we're, um, <laughs> you're what? I was going to say we're similar. Mm -hmm. uh, in our foundations, you know, as far as like gratitude, you know, work ethic, um, learning from our mistakes, being willing to grow, having some semblance of a spiritual life. Mm -hmm. So it, it's really a collective mind on those records. It shows. It shows. It's really cohesive. And uh, it seems like the fans have had a great reaction to it, which which must feel good. Yeah, we're we're happy. We're pleased. We we didn't have like super high expectations. We were just glad to get to birth the baby. Yes. <laughs> well, because you know, like we said earlier, the way things have changed in the industry. Years ago, an artist would release an album and then tour to support the album. It almost works in reverse now. Like you almost you almost ship the album to bring attention to the fact that you're out and touring. And uh, that's true. Are, that's interesting. Yeah. Have you? Because ha, I, I know. I mean, when I've seen y'all in the last couple of years, you've worked a few tracks in from the new record. How how much of the current show is the new record? Well, surprisingly, we've added a few songs. We do "Blue Skies," "Reach for Me," "I'm Good," and our single "Rocket." 
Nice. Mm. Um, can I just tell you, yeah. Ocean's Deep is my jam. That's my I get rowdy when that song starts. <laughs> I can't imagine I what people at red lights think is happening in my car. <laughs> <laughs> it, it must look like a live squirrel got in. <laughs> But I'm rolling with you on that. <laughs> but I absolutely love that song. And, you know, I have, it's been an interesting debate with En Vogue because, you know, there's different opinions coming from the fandoms and I have, I have crashed in on a few comment sections because, uh, okay. you know, there, there, there are some people who they get hung up on the original four. And uh, mm -hmm. I think we as a culture uh, tend to be obsessed with nostalgia. And I think we want what we heard when we were kids and when people, you know, they try to, because, you know, none of the, none of the people on these threads ever seem to have a problem with you particularly. They're just romancing their teenage years. And, right. and I, always, I always say to them, I'm like, well, let me ask you this. Are you the same as you were in 1992? <laughs> because, you know, and, and Such a good point. they've allowed for growth because even if it was the original four, it wouldn't be the same. You know, Cindy and Terry are not the same. They are not 23 years old singing over James Brown samples, bops about how their man done them wrong. <laughs> you know, there's a maturity to it. There, you know, it, it's it's very much about the here and now, and you just don't hear that in such a youth-driven market. Mm. So, props to you guys for that. Thank you. Because there's a, there's an authenticity to it, and I love what the sound has evolved into. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. My my pleasure. So I I, I do want to ask you actually, uh, with all the touring and with PPU and all the things you got going on, are you going to be working on any solo stuff? As of right now, I'm not because we're still in the album cycle for Electric Cafe. Right. You want to see but that I would through? Love, right. But I would love to make some music that kind of marries my brand like it is right now. I have my dreams for that right now. So we're going to see when they can manifest. I definitely do intend to make um, music uh, by myself or on my own. Nice. And sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And, and I know <laughs> you yourself are uh, a, a big fan of music. Uh, I, I've I've joked that you're the biggest DeBarge fan I know. <gasps> yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah, that woke her up. <laughs> oh. to, the, to the beat of the rhythm of the night, Rona. <laughs> no, she goes deeper than that. She goes deeper than that. The Starlight Express album? Oh, Amy. <laughs> We're having a serious discussion here. What's your favorite DeBarge track? Ooh, that I don't have a favorite. I like too many. <laughs> <laughs> They're like her children. <laughs> I would never disrespect them like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, because you know, and I know, I know uh, that you know you're you're a big uh, lover of vinyl, as am I. What what might one find on the Robizi turntable on any given Sunday? Ooh, well, you might find uh, John Coltrane's Giant Steps. Okay. Oh, yeah, that just made sound engineer Joey so happy. <laughs> hey, Joey. <laughs> I even find Michael McDonald's album from 1982. You need to stop with Mike. Oh. Come on. <laughs> but that's, that's showing up some good stuff, though. But, hey, you know what? 
You did not have a hit in the 80s if Michael McDonald wasn't singing backup for you. Exactly. Because <laughs> if you didn't have Michael McDonald so on the track, to... that's what a fool believes. What a fool believes. <laughs> oh, my Lord. <laughs> well, that's that's cool because, you know, and I know, I know sometimes I catch on your Instagram feeds, uh, you know, you and the girls listening to some music before the show. Yeah. And uh, it's, oh my gosh, I can't imagine. It, it's, it has to be like, you know, to, to walk it back when you were touring with your first record. You know, you're out there overseas and you're touring and you're playing, you know, to audiences that may not know you or may not know your music and you're kind of breaking it for the first time. It's got to be a whole different energy when you're going out there. I don't want to say you're preaching to the converted, but, you know, it's got to feel good knowing out there that, you, as soon as you go out there, as soon as, you know, the opening the opening strains of, you know, free your mind or something, that people are going to go crazy. Yeah, and are you saying for um, people overseas? Mm-hmm. They're some of the most amazing audiences ever. Yeah? OMG. <laughs> yeah. They're so appreciative of the music. So there's just a whole other level of exchange when it comes to energy when we go over to Europe. Really? Yes, it's actually so much fun and so intensified over there. This is a whole other level of appreciation. That's so cool. Now, do you find that it's more intense, you know, because <laughs> there's a language barrier or, you know? <laughs> I don't know if it's because they don't, like, if you notice, Europe, embraces all of their artists. They don't let you die out just because you're not the hot thing. No, absolutely uh, like, not. Like, American music can be pretty fickle, our approach to our artists. You see, they can tour over there forever. Lionel Richie lives in Europe. He doesn't necessarily live over here in the, you know, mm -hmm. uh, touring. Things like that. This is even great film. I mean, she's like doing her thing forever. Tina Turner. Everybody. Um, they just, I don't know, they, they, they preserve their artists and mm -hmm. they appreciate the music and they go out and support the work. Yeah, there's a there's a ballet dancer that I follow on Instagram. He's very famous in Italy, and I was showing Anthony pictures of him the other day, and he and his uh, the company of his dancers they perform at a coliseum in front of thousands of people, and I keep telling him like you would never see that here in America, where a ballet dancer would fill a stadium of people. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it really is. And I'm just like, oh, I want to be there. I want to feel <laughs> that kind of energy in the, you know, in that crowd. Yeah, it's, I mean, when we did that um, tour, Night of the Proms, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the type of concert it is, but it's basically like they'll go and get these amazing um, classical musicians from different parts of, you know, overseas, and they bring them together and they marry uh, classical music to pop. Oh. And those arenas were filled with people every night. 16,000 people wow. out there supporting like Toto in excess and involved with an orchestra. Wow. It, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I want to go I don't see know. that. <laughs> like that over here, you know? Yeah. No, I would love, in fact, when the last time I saw you guys here in San Diego was with the orchestra. With the San Diego Symphony yeah. Yeah, on the bay. And it was amazing, oh, yeah. Was yeah, I loved that. I thought that was so cool. Yeah, I really like those kids. 
So um, I noticed that because you, so much of your, you have a theatrical background and, you know, singing music on a stage. Um, I noticed, you, what are your feelings on stage musicals? <laughs> I'm not a big fan. And yeah. I know that's like your <laughs> I mean, I, I know that you have been completely traumatized by some auditions. <laughs> Haven't we all? <laughs> well, no, because I loved it that when, uh, look, all right, I'm going to put you on blast now. I'm sorry. Uh, when you, when you did the, uh, when you told the story about auditioning for the movie version of Rent. Yes, oh God. But I know, I know. But you know what? it made me feel so much better because I have had those moments and I, I I would get down on myself and and I realized, okay, well, if someone like her can have that sort of moment, like, because at that point, you were Rona Bennett at that point. You were not, you know, a girl who just got to LA. You had been in the game for a while and, you know, it it just, it humanized you in a way for me. Yeah, I was gonna say, that makes it even worse probably because you would expect more. And I'm yeah. like, fuck it. Oh, but what are you going to do? Yeah. Well, cause it was funny because when I think it was on a morning talks that you did that, that I actually had an audition the day after and I, and I just kept thinking, and I, you know what? It, it, I didn't get a call back, but that's okay. You, you're going to hear no way more than you hear. Yes. So you get used to it. The, for me, the victory is having done it. How did I feel about how I did in that room? How did I, you know, did I. Uh, to quote what you like to say, did I show up as the right version of myself for what for what I needed to be in that moment? And I was pleased with my audition. So and you know, and that's that's how it goes. If it doesn't work out, something else always comes up, and something else did, and it turned out to be great. So beautiful, you know. And and Durwood Durwood is familiar with that hustle, but he does not sing. Unfortunately, no. Because if I did sing, I'd probably be a millionaire by now. Uh, <laughs> one of these days, I'll take some lessons. Perhaps I could get some help, Ro. <laughs> I like how you slip that in there. Subtle, Derwood. Jeez. You can sell it though, even if it's not in yeah, tune to her. You, you want her to do singing lessons? Like she ain't got enough to do. Yeah, that's <laughs> actually that leads that leads me to a, a question I want to ask you, Rona, because you you have such incredible focus and your work ethic is inspiring. Do you have downtime ever? And if you do, what do you do with it? Ah, uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm, I'm always thinking, I feel like, what's the next thing or what needs mm -hmm. oh. I'm running the school and I got a book that I'm writing and I'm developing the next program. So I'm always thinking about the next thing. Uh, I have to choose to pull on. Mm, I hear you. So I can find the time, but I got to consciously keep it because I'm kind of a workhorse. I told you when I read those books, that was my thought was this is a woman who uses 24 hours a day. <laughs> but that's, that's inspiring. It was, no, it really was. But you know, cause, cause for me, I, I, I keep a pretty full schedule myself, not quite as full as yours, but uh, you know, like when I'm things like going to the gym or like, I would rather just go to bed than spend the time writing or working on artwork. Like I do, I think, Somewhere Roe is working. <laughs> and I, I have had that thought more than once. <laughs> well, you know what? I, um, I feel like I'm 
moving into yet another season. Yeah. To get everything started, though, I really was in a season of sacrifice. So I was working on tail off. Now I'm I'm searching for what that next thing is. Like I'm allowing myself to get more sleep. I wasn't doing that before. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you got to get up because. You know, but I was break I was breaking patterns and developing habits, and so I had to do it hard for a while. And now that I've anchored those things, I, I'm changing. So I'm allowing myself to change right now. It hasn't quite landed into what it's going to be. But I am changing and transitioning now, so it can shift. Yeah. Well, that's really cool. So, you know, so it's in a way, a part of the adventure is seeing what it's going to wind up as. Yeah, like how I will handle the next phase. Yeah. All right. And, and I know you're growing the university. You, you mentioned that you're actually doing a retreat. Yes. Because you got it's you our got... first annual. Because you uh, you got a lot of students coming through there. You've done it. You've done a couple of courses now. Yes, I think we're on the sixth round right now. Wow! Wow! Yeah. In, so in, I, that's an accomplishment for me, you know. Uh, for real, because it hasn't been that long. No, it hasn't. So I'm really proud of uh, the forward movement and that people are still coming. I don't take on as many students because, as you know, I. I don't want to overwhelm myself because I have so much to do. Right. But um, I'm just glad that I've kept going because I know that that's necessary to keep this thing moving and, and allow it to become what it is capable of being. Well, one of the things that I, I think is really cool that I've noticed in the morning talks is that when you first started doing those, it was a lot of people just kind of talking to you, but there seems to be so much more communal interaction. Yes. And uh, you know, one of it. I'm so excited about that. One of your one of your graduate students actually went to college with two of us. Shout out to Sarah Ganella. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> small <laughs> world is small. <laughs> it's really small. Yeah, but I, you know, and that's that's got to feel good that you're not only connecting with these students, but you're connecting them to each other. Yes, uh, that's the thing about it is, uh, and you said the right word, community. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I marvel to see what this can become if I just keep going, if we just keep going, uh, who's going to get connected, what things might come out of those uh, relationships. Uh, who knows, right? Really beautiful. That's fantastic. I, I, I love that that, uh, that is. So what, what are your hopes for PPU? What do you want to grow it to? Well, I guess eventually I'd like to empower other coaches nice. to coach for PPU. Um, I definitely want to take the students around the world for our different annual retreats. Because for some people, this is the only time they've traveled, believe yeah. it or not. So uh, this is giving them an opportunity to stretch. And I want to go to different parts of the world to do that. So we'll see what happens. That is so cool. That's exciting. So if, if people would like to learn more about Personal Power University, where should they go? RonaBennett.com. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love it. Uh, you you kind of have like this little mini empire right now because you got all your, your irons in the fire. Thank you. I love the way you said that. <laughs> well, you know, that's, it's, it's, uh, it is a tribute to your hustle, which uh, I salute you for. 
Thank you, dear. Okay. I appreciate it. Now, now, Joe. Yes. I noticed you've been kind of quiet this hour, and we've been kind of hogging the mic. Do you do you have any off the cuff questions for Rona that you would like to ask? The weirder, the better. Oh wow! <laughs> All right, let's see. Um, what do you like to binge watch on Netflix? <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good question. I, I wish I watched more Netflix. Obviously. Yeah, hearing you talk, I, I pretty much know the answer is probably nothing. But you know. <laughs> That's hour 25 through 30 of the day. Yeah. <laughs> um, it doesn't exist. But. All right, another question. Who's your favorite hobbit? <laughs> I don't know. What I See? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I got, I got go. nothing. Um. <laughs> Although, you know, Joe, you have a pretty full day because you're a dad. You're, you have, you use your Yeah, you don't for, sleep. Yeah, you yeah, don't no, sleep. I, I, I just walk through like zombie like most of the time <laughs> and then just stare at my phone and with something on and then like all right I guess I gotta clean the house and make sure the kids are asleep no go back to sleep no you already have water go back to sleep please <laughs> only slightly less inspiring than yeah, hearing Jen. Rona speak yeah. about her day <laughs> Well, actually, you know, speaking of which, because uh, actually, wrote Joe is our movie guy and, and talks a lot about that. Have you ever thought of doing big screen work? Yeah, definitely. Why not? Yeah, that'd that, be awesome. that, okay, that'd be yeah. That would be cool. Uh, we would be there for you. <laughs> front row. No, I go about seven or eight rows no, back, just because row. it's too close. Yeah. I was just trying to express my enthusiasm. <laughs> it was figuratively. Well, front then row. pick the better. Then pick the better seat to yeah. go to. Yeah. No, I'm not. Just, I'm not just. Well, you know, we'll come in and find the best seats possible in the middle somewhere. <laughs> Didn't say that. <laughs> this You're is why I don't take them Derwood. with me to the movies. This is. <laughs> But, uh, well, they actually, uh, you know, I know it's not the big screen, but it does count. En Vogue, an En Vogue Christmas uh, was a yeah. Lifetime movie a couple years ago that y'all did. We uh, watched it. Yeah, and because and I knew, I knew, cool. I knew uh, that, you know, I knew all the gears on your bike, but I had no idea that Cindy and Terry could act. Yes, and Terry laughed. What was that? We lost you there for a second. She can't talk, we try to tell her, quit playing. I was saying that Terry likes to act like she can't act, but <laughs> a great job on that movie. And I, I also want to give a shout out because uh, to the, to the other ladies of En Vogue because I've met them on a couple occasions and they are lovely. And uh, the first time that uh, that Rowley, you and I had seen each other since the Mouse Club wrapped, uh, Amy and I came up to LA for a showcase you were doing at the Mint uh, back in the day. And we were we were in traffic for what felt like forty eight hours, and uh, because normal LA, LA traffic, my yeah. my Mouska Nation loyalty knows no bounds, and uh, I know. So we we get to the club, and we're in line, and uh, you know I'm just like nervous and being awkward or whatever. And Amy starts talking to the lady in front of us. They strike up a conversation about a scarf. She had on a beautiful scarf, and I didn't realize that the lady in front of us was Cindy. She was there with her husband. And Amy didn't right, recognize right. her. And I wasn't paying attention. So the security the security comes and brings us in. And they figured we were all together. So they sat us in the section. And here comes Terry sitting down with us. And I'm like, I turned to Amy and I'm like, I think we're sitting within Vogue. <laughs> but, and, and I remember I, I saw you 
uh, across the room, and I like completely froze. He was such a dork. And and Amy <laughs> said, and Amy said to me, "I have just sat in a car for three and a half hours. If you do not get up and talk to her, I'm gonna throw you across this room." <laughs> so. So, so of course, you know, we did talk and you were lovely and the show was fantastic. But uh, yeah, shout out to the ladies of En Vogue who absolutely did not question that there were these two strangers sitting in their section. <laughs> they were lovely. Shout out to Carrie and Cindy. They were, they were just so chill. And, and you know, you uh, a couple years ago when you put out your single, Take Me There, you had the listening party for the R&B Gumbo Project. And uh, yeah. Derwin and I got to go to that, which was such a, a special memory for us. We uh, absolutely loved it. Great time. Great time. Uh, and, uh, and so glad to Yeah, well, and, and thank you for that. And also, uh, you know, I did not count on seeing so many of your Mouska buddies there. So it was really cool getting to, to catch up with them. Some of them I had not seen in a very long time. And uh, Terry was also there, and she was she was lovely. Yeah. You got good coworkers. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> that is a that is a blessing when you can when you can have good coworkers. But uh, all right, we're 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 coming close to the end. Yeah. If anybody else has got some questions, now is the time. Everybody's looking I, at me. I I emptied the bullets out of my gun. So. <laughs> and I talked to you about like I said, I just recently finished the books, and uh, yeah, again, very. Good job on those. Like I said, because it hit me. Well, because it hit me because, like I said, I'm going through a little bit of a transition myself. And, like, mm -hmm. I love the one where the book, the motivation one, where you could literally sit there and list things out in the book. That was very helpful. Awesome. Thank well, you for the feedback. Of course. I heard a great quote from Erica Badu not too long ago, and it was, you know, write it down with an actual pencil on an actual piece of yes. paper and watch, watch Ish get real. Mm. And that is uh, that is the truth, and 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 you gotta you, you speak it and claim it, as you always say. And um, I want to thank you so much thank for you. Uh, for coming onto the show. Thank this you, is, Rona. This for real uh, is a dream come true for me. So uh, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Have fun. It was my Excellent. absolute pleasure. You can come back anytime you want. Please, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. And if I if I don't see you uh, beforehand, I will see you in Orlando next spring. Yes. Oh my goodness, it'll be so great to see you all there. Thank oh you my for gosh, it's going to be so much fun. But all right, thank you so much, and uh, we're going to let you go. So uh, thank you again. Okay. Take care, everybody. Thank Bye. You. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Wow. What a great show, everybody. We, yes. we for real were talking to Rona Bennett. That actually that was pretty happened. Awesome. We for real were talking awesome. to Rona Bennett. Yay. <laughs> we talked to Rona Bennett. That was wonderful. And she's lovely. She's yeah. great. Great she's great. People. Oh, my yeah, Lord. So as she said before, if you're interested in any of the things she was talking about, you can see the whole world of Rona Bennett on uh, RonaBennett.com. Uh, and you can uh, – she's got great books. She's got uh, – there's links to music there. There's all kinds of really cool stuff. And uh, go pick up Electric Cafe by En Vogue. Yes. Uh, yes. It really is a fantastic record. I, yes. I've heard a little bit of it. It, yeah, it, it, is, it is. I really, absolutely really good. love it. If you liked what you hear here, you can get a dose of our funny every day on Twitter. You can follow us at, at PopCultureHouse, or you can reach me, Anthony Donovan, at Daboy, D-A-B-O-Y. I'm at Reggie Swing. Craze Dr. Scott. Or you can email us at thehouseofpopculture at gmail.com. Oh, yeah. We want to thank everybody at the Community Building in Hillcrest and Sound Engineer Joey. We Yay! love y'all. And we will catch you on the flip side. Awesome. Good Woo! job, guys. Mine is Pippin. <laughs> Your what is Pippin? <laughs>
top swingmen of NBA history? Oh my god, that's so funny. The answer to my question I asked her. <laughs>